0: Down, spinning. Look at the uh, job to create space. Put it in the book and send that young man to the line. Boy, is he fun to watch. 3.51. Tony Allen slapped away by Carly Stein to the floor. He dives. What an effort. Collison. The lob. Oh. Beautiful basketball by the King. Richardson changing directions. And getting to the basket and scoring. How about the rookie Malachi
1: Richards? You're now listening to the King's
0: Court on Dash Radio, presented by sackkingsnation.com. Here
1: are your hosts, Vince Miracle and Joe Morgan. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the King's Court here. On Dash Radio, joining me this week and being my first guest heading into the 2018-19 season, Tony Zepheris of Hacktown Royalty. Tony, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Vince. Happy to be here. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm finally. I'm, I'm happy that we're finally back to NBA season. It's right around the corner. I think basketball games starting like a week. Um, this, I'll be honest. This has probably been the most um, refreshing summer that I've had because I I really didn't have to watch the team that much this year. It was a very quiet summer when it comes to the Sacramento Kings, and I I actually enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it a lot, but but I, but I'm happy that the NBA season is here. I'm ready. But what about you? I, I feel like this again. Like I said, I feel like this has been one of the longest summers as Kings fans because there was nothing really to hang our hat on or to really keep a close eye on this summer. Uh, what did you do? Do you feel like you're, you're re- ready and refreshed for this upcoming season?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like The Kings came firing this summer because they had the draft lottery. They moved up for the first time in like 12 years. And then there was a bunch of hype leading up to the draft. All the draft workouts, all the rumors and we were all like sifting through to figure who the Kings are going to pick. Then they picked Marvin Bagley which, I'll only speak for myself here, was a little deflating as someone who wanted Luka Doncic, but I'm not going to harp on that too much. Bagley's I haven't seen anybody play yet, so I'm not going to judge on it uh, on, you know, September 24th. And then free agency came, and the Kings had a ton of cap space. And I was kind of expecting those fireworks to continue, like the extent that we had for the lottery. But they really did almost nothing in free agency. And then, like, it's been dead for a month and a half now. So, uh, you know, I agree with you there. It was kind of a a slow summer after the draft, but media day was today. We're recording on a Monday night, and uh, I'm excited to go.
1: Yeah, um, let let's let's just jump right into it because this is gonna be, uh, and I and I and I told this to Tony right before we hit record on this show. This is gonna be a different type of Kings Court because I'm not gonna like go through. I don't really have a roadmap of where this conversation is gonna go. All I know is that I want to talk about the Kings at this point and how we are looking at this team and our expectations for the upcoming season. So let's start with the off season. Let's start with the with the moves the Kings did make. And you and I talked about you know Marvin Bagley a little bit uh, before the draft and our hype about him and things like that. Heading into this upcoming season, what are you expecting from this guy? Because for me personally and from everything that I'm reading, it seems like everyone is already going to start to compare him to, like, Luka Doncic. How good is Luka Doncic? Because that's going to affect our thought process on Marvin Bagley if – Let's say he struggles. And so for me what I want to see from him is someone that is as what or is what Vladi I think has in his mind. Like I wanna see whatever it was because when I was watching him through the draft process and I was looking at him as a player, I didn't have him as the number two. I I, I think when I was talking to Brian West, you you know, one of your one of your writers over there at Sacktown Royalty, when he was on the show, I had him at like going to Memphis at four. Or even sliding to five, I didn't even have him as the one, two, three, so I wasn't high on Bagley as is. But what what are your expectations for Bagley this year? What would be a good year for him as a rookie?
0: Well, it's going to be possible to avoid the Luka Doncic discussion with him for like the end of time. This is this is Vlade's big move. Like we're going to be comparing the two for better or worse for the rest of their careers, and Vlade's career is on the line here with who kind of develops into a better player, and that's going to be trouble for Vlade, at least in the first few years, I think, because Luka Doncic is going to come in as the more NBA-ready player. And for someone like myself, who preferred Doncic over Bagley, it's going to be really hard um, to, to remind myself that Bagley is kind of a project. He's super young, and it's going to take time. And for as much as we want to compare the two in year one or year two, that's really not fair to, to Marvin Bagley. And, and we're going to do it anyways, because that's how the internet works. That's how Twitter works. We're going to compare the two consistently for forever, even when, again, like, even when Bagley is not ready to, for that comparison yet. We're going to do it anyways. That's just the way it's going to be. As far as what I'm expecting this year, I actually liked Marvin Bagley. He was third on my board behind Eton and Doncic, so I didn't think it was, like, a wild, uh, like, draft pick, like a, that, they picked him wildly above where he was supposed to go. But my expectations for him coming into the year, if I'm being honest, were probably higher before I watched him in Summer League. And I don't want to take too much away from Summer League because it's not the same game. And this might be unfair too, but in Summer League, I saw a player who struggled to get his own shot. Uh, We knew he was left-hand dependent coming in, but he was incredibly left-hand dependent in Summer League, almost no right-hand at all. Just didn't have go-to moves on offense. So, you know, before Summer League, I was expecting a player could come in and give the Kings 12 and 10 in year one or pretty close to it. Assuming he gets the minutes, but now I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to score at the rate that I was kind of hoping this early on in his career. I do think the rebounding is going to be there, and I think for as much as we crushed him for being a poor defensive player at Duke, he might surprise some people on defense because he, he was a little bit better on defense in summer league than I was expecting. Particularly, uh, just disrupting shots inside, and he showed that. She showed his athleticism off. I thought more on defense in summer league than he did on offense. Whereas on offense. He was kind of thinking a bunch, like his moves all looked premeditated, so he couldn't really catch anybody off guard. Whereas defensively, he was just sort of playing like uh, based on instinct and jumping all over the place. And I liked seeing that activity. So I think you're going to see, I don't know, if I had to put a number on it, eight and eight, if he gets starter quality minutes, like 30 minutes a game and he's playing at power forward, he may hit the double double because I do think he's going to rebound right away. But, you know, that's a roundabout way of saying I don't know what to expect anymore because I had one set of expectations before summer league and now I'm still kind of trying to readjust after summer league but I do think preseason is going to be huge for a player like him and we'll have a much better idea of what to expect after we see him play a couple games with the uh with the big league players here.
1: You brought up that starting rotation and there's a there's a mixed bag of conversation on if Bagley is going to be that starter. Now, me personally, I feel like the Kings have nothing to lose this year. I mean, the, there's there's no expectation for them to make the playoffs. They're in my eyes, they're the Yeah, my eyes they're probably the worst team in the Western Conference. And I I mean I think the only team that they could be better than is the Hawks. And this is me just looking over the roster and, and me truly believing in this team and what they can do this year because it looks like everybody's gotten better except for the Kings and the Hawks. Um do you think he should be a starter? because I do I, I think since they have nothing to lose I think Bagley should be able to step in there and honestly have the green light to really try everything he's learning try everything he's you know already good at and see what works in the NBA what moves he needs to polish up and then honestly I want to see him move to the right he's left hand dominant I want to see him move to the right and do more uh, right handed action and I, I want to see what he can do with that right hand uh, but do you think he should be a starter heading into next season so I actually looked this
0: up after the draft ended, and I looked up, because c- I was kind of under the assumption that, alright, you got a guy, you're drafting him second overall, he's got to start from day one. He just has to. I looked it up, and it, for the last 10 or so years, it's about 50% the amount of time like a second second overall pick starts. So he doesn't have to start. It's not like he's doomed if he doesn't start from day one. Uh, it doesn't really hap- happen all the time in the NBA anyway, so if he doesn't start, that's no big deal. What I will say is that One of Giles or Bagley has to start. Because like you said, they have nothing to really play for this year outside of development, but they don't have a draft pick. They're not going to make the playoffs. This is about developing the young kids. And I want either one of the two rookies in the front court, Bagley or Giles, starting. Which one is it? I don't really care. As long as one of them is starting, getting that experience, playing 30-plus minutes a night. Whoever's better, they can have the role.
1: Moving on, we go to Yogi Ferrell. Uh, getting uh, coming in, you know, I I feel like the, actually I'm just gonna put these two moves together because I I don't see these moves being as like game changing as a lot of fans tried to make it out to be when it first happened. Uh, I feel like they're they're good role players and Yogi Ferrell and Bielitsa namanje Bealita. I'm not gonna be good with his first name, but I can say his last name Bielitsa Really good, uh, but I, I I I don't see them as truly impactful. You know, rotational players. Uh, I think that there they're players that can come in and they're you're gonna say, Okay, yeah, then, then that's a nice piece, that's a nice addition. Uh but the, they're not they're not changing, you know, a win or a loss in either direction for me. It just kinda kept the Kings in the same spot and Maybe that's me looking at it as a negative light because I like Yogi Ferrell. I think what he did in Dallas was really good, especially coming off the bench and then starting for a while and the way he was putting up points. I think he was even doing it in Brooklyn, and I believe I even had him at times. Uh, well, if, you, if you want to go back to my fantasy days. And then uh, with Bielitza, when he filled in for Butler in Minnesota and the numbers that he was putting up, I mean, it's something you have to applaud. I definitely think he's a player that is going to be a nice piece to this team. But, again, I don't think it impacts their win-loss percentage or, or in or goes in either direction. Uh, when, when you look at those two other moves, and then also I guess you can bring in the move for Ben McLemore and stuff like that because I want to bunch that into one. Do you? What was your overall impression of the Kings offseason or of those signings? Were you... Okay with them? Did you think that they those those uh, additions made sense, or were you kind of like, okay, we still need a starting small forward?
0: Well, I'll put the offseason kind of like this. I didn't hate anything the Kings did, but I thought they had opportunity to do more. When you look at who had cap space this summer and who didn't, the Kings are one of the few teams that could fit a max contract under their salary cap, and to their credit. They did go out and try and do something, right? They put out that offer sheet for Zach Levine, and the Bulls matched. They didn't get him. That's fine. It happens. But outside of going after Levine real hard, they kind of just made moves that I I liked. But, again, thought that maybe they could do a little bit better if they had been more aggressive earlier on in free agency. Because if you remember, they really didn't do anything for the first few weeks of free agency. The Bielitsa uh, signing and the Yogi Ferrell signing came a lot later after a lot of the, the higher-end players were, were taken. With that being said, I kind of look at all the moves the Kings make and all the signings they made this summer under like, kind of like you're playing uh, salary cap Jenga or something. We were trying to make all the pieces fit, and you look at what the Kings need and what they signed them for, and like, was that value good for what this player is? And to me, Yogi Ferrell is a pretty good backup point guard. If you, If someone said... You know, Yogi Farrell's a top 15 backup point guard. I don't think I would disagree with him. I think he's a pretty good backup player. And the Kings got him for $3 million. And he's 25 years old. So just, you know, trying to fit the roster together and slot money for what uh, a player's role is. I really like getting a good backup point guard for $3 million. That's a smart sign to me. And with Bielitsa, you look at what the Kings roster is. And, and they needed to stretch big. A guy who could play 2-3. Uh, sorry, 3-4. And they got that guy. Again, he's only 30, so he's still in his prime, and they got him for $6.5 million. So while he, I don't think he's going to move the needle necessarily from like a win-loss per- perspective, I do like getting your stretch four still in his prime for $6.5 million. So I like what the Kings did, and I like what they paid to do it, but I still keep coming back to that point where, like, hey, Julius Randle signed for $9 million a year. Like, there was opportunity to get even better than they got, um, and that's where I criticize the Kings' offseason because I do like what they did. I just thought they could have done more.
1: Yeah, I I just I just felt like it was uh, again. It was just that anticlimactic summer. I I and it all started with the hype leading up to the draft. The fact that the Kings had an incredible lottery to move up. It, I think I think it's the first time in franchise history to ever get that pit number two pick. Definitely since they missed the
0: playoffs. I mean, definitely since they stopped making the playoffs. That was the first time they jumped that high. Yeah,
1: I, I, think that, I think that literally the first time they've ever picked number two. I know they've had the number one pick before. I think this is the first time in franchise history they've ever had the number two pick. And for them to – it was like a lot of hype leading up to that, and everyone thought, you know, the position of need was small forward. This team has a ton of big men. And Luka Doncic was blowing people's minds overseas and you know there was a lot of rumblings of you know leading up to that part of like oh we're not going to take it but then the, you saw that picture of vivek and vladi and Bogd, uh and and donchich and you're like okay it, it's it's just everyone hating on the kings national media like always so like don't read too much into it we'll see when we get there and then boom marvin bagley and then after that you know i'm not i'm not, I'm not hating on the pick like all I say is that I, I had uh, an expectation I have an expectation for Marvin Bagley because, yes, I, I I do think Luka Doncic is the real deal personally. I I, I think that you know there was a lot of when what, my mindset of, of the Kings is when you when you saw that pick was there was so much hype that every team wanted to have the opportunity to pick Doncic, except the Kings, and I don't think they built up the. The reputation to where they had the ability to do this to, to make this decision the way they did I mean they, they, I mean they have the right to do it but I don't think they built up the reputation to where they should have done this pick and then, and I think that's why there's a lot of expectation from me personally on to Bagley and also again uh, putting a lot of pressure on that front office of Vladi and I also think it put a lot of pressure on Dave Yeager for this upcoming season which is the conversation I think we're going to get to in a little bit but uh, overall, I, I just think that it was an anticlimactic summer that's now made it coming into this upcoming season where I'm looking at this roster as a whole, Tony, and you can say you can agree with me or not because we're going to get to the over-under here at this point, where 25.5 wins is now the line in Vegas. And uh, there's times where I'm leaning over, and then there's times where I'm looking over the entire Western Conference and looking over the top teams. In the East and how you're playing them twice how 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 can you look at this king's roster and not think you know there's a good chance there's an under on that twenty five and a half so I half, it's a it's a coin flip for me uh coming on the show i'm gonna be I'm gonna be hot takey I'm gonna take the under right now like that's the mood I'm in for when I'm looking at this roster today and and just li- like Looking over everything else, I just feel like this team has the most to still put together. It's like I feel like this is still just a piece of clay that has no one has touched yet. No one's molded it in any way, and we're on year what ten of a twelve of a rebuild. So I'm I'm not high on this team. So are you taking the over or under on that twenty five and a half wins for the Kings? I think you could
0: make a lot of good points for either direction, and that's why Vegas is so good at this. If you remember last year, they set the over-under at 27.5, and, and the Kings came in, you know, a half game under at 27. So they know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, the, the guys who make the lines are, are incredibly good at this. They have their lights um, on
1: for a reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and if you asked me before Bogdan Bogdanovich had his second knee surgery in like two months, I would have said the over. It sounds like I'm a little bit more optimistic about this team than you are, because I do think, you know, they won 27 games last year. I do think they got slightly better from a roster standpoint because they've added Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley, Nemanja Bjelica, and Yogi Ferrell since last season. So while I don't think that's a gigantic upgrade in year one, especially for those rookies, I do think both Giles and Bagley will be good eventually, but how good will they be in their rookie seasons? I don't know yet. But I still do think that's a slight upgrade at the very least in terms of roster, And I do think this team has some upside if they can make certain internal improvements that we all want to see them make. And what I mean by that is pretty simple stuff. Play faster. There's no reason this team should play as slow as they played last season. And of course, you know, shoot more three-pointers. They were the number one or two team in three-point field goal percentage last year, but they shot the least amount of threes in the entire NBA. So if you just make some adjustments in-house— Which, if you were following Media Day today, it sounds like Dave Yeager is thinking along those lines. He mentioned multiple times to multiple reporters that he will start playing faster, that the kids are going to get more minutes. He didn't mention specifically about getting that three-point shot attempt number up, but I am fairly optimistic in what Dave Yeager said today at Media Day in terms of the lineups that he's going to play and making sure the team plays faster. So if you factor all that in, the the small upgrades they made to their roster— and just those internal improvements, I do think they can have a better record than they had last season, even though the West is tougher. And the West is tougher. But I will say, you got the Phoenix Suns, who got better, but Devin Booker is is recovering from a broken hand right now. The Minnesota Timberwolves, who you would have thought were definitely better than the Kings, and they still are. Make no mistake about it, they still are. But that team is going through a lot of stuff right now with the Jimmy Butler trade and drama. So while every team appears better than the Kings on paper, and if you ask me today... Will they finish better than the Kings? I would say yes. Teams do fall off and go up and down all the time. So I do think, you know, like I said, I would have taken over 25 and a half easy if Bogdanovich wasn't injured, but I am of the opinion that he is, or was at least last season, the best player on the Kings. So now you're looking at a team that's already pretty bad in the Kings, who's going to be missing their best player for at least all of training camp and preseason, and that injury could easily bleed into the season. Who knows how many games he'll miss. He already came back once and got hurt again so i'm by no means saying bogdanovich is going to be ready at the start of the season i hope he is but that seems highly doubtful to me but Uh, even with bogdanovich's injury i do think 25.5 is awfully low and the kings did do just enough this summer
1: and with those internal improvements to hit the over uh they're they're optimistic that Bogdanovich is going to be able to come back. I, I yeah, I, I don't know about that. Uh, they they think they're going. To, he's going to definitely be missing out on the preseason. He's he's already he's going to be at training camp. Um, I I I'd have to I'd have to believe. I I mean I feel like the Kings' training staff and how they you know really like look over some of these injuries. I I I I think they take a lot of pride in that. You know, and especially if you like follow them on Twitter and how much they're constantly showing how they're trying to improve the health of their players. If they believe they can get him back, I think they can. I have actually a lot of faith in the Kings training staff. Um, with that said, even if Bogdanovich isn't coming back, I'm ready to see what Buddy Healed would look like as a starter. I think he needs it. I think it's time to see what he can be as a starter. Uh, you, you brought up a lot of stuff that. You know, that I wanted to start touching on too, which is perfect about you know how Jaeger today was talking about the pace of the game and how you want to, he wanted to start seeing more. One of the, one of the big quotes that, that I like seeing was that he, he didn't necessarily say that he wasn't going to play Zach Randolph and Costa Cufas this season. Quote, I'm not saying those guys won't play, but our bigger priority is to play many younger as many young guys as possible. And that's something I definitely wanted to hear because this team has the ability to move as fast as any team in the league they have young legs mobile big men that are willing to shoot the basketball and a guy in De'Aaron Fox that can put the ball in the pocket of where you need to shoot it and also gets to to the rim you know in a blink of an eye so I love the fact that you're hearing that this is the thing that scares me though because I I don't want them to I don't want the kings to just go automatically into we have all these young pieces. we need to see what they can do. so I'm ready to try and do something crazy. and this is the crazy thing that Jaeger said today. I want to see Justin Jackson at power forward. and i I don't think he I don't think Justin Jackson was good enough at Small forward to move him down to go out and guard you know the guys of like Carmelo Anthony now, a Draymond Green. Uh, yeah, Kevin Durant. You know all all these other tiers, and if you want to go even smaller, like lower tier than that, like a Blake Griffin. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I'm not ready to see that type of lineup. Uh, so I mean, I I agree with you. I I think the pace is something that I definitely want to see. I love the fact that they're talking about going younger, but still, Tony, I I don't know if that's enough to to. To to pass twenty five and a half, like I I see them hitting twenty four wins. Like I, I the more I look at this roster, I I I know they're gonna get the couple where they're coming in hot after like you know one one of the good teams are coming in on the second night of a back to back. Their legs are tired. You're playing the bench unit of the Warriors or the Spurs, and they keep it close and take off in the fourth. I know that game's gonna happen. I still don't think they go go over twenty five and a half. I'm taking the under. But what are your thoughts on uh, on You know, a lot of what Dave Yeager said today and again of like, you know, they're not going to play a lot of the big guys like the older guys, like you said. But, you know, you're going to see Justin Jackson at the four. Is that something that interests you?
0: I honestly don't mind hearing him say that. And Justin Jackson played a very little bit of four last year. And uh, whether it was successful or not, I, I really don't care. I just like seeing Dave Yeager kind of go against his instincts, or go against what he has a history of doing. Which, if you look at his uh, career in Memphis, he played big a lot. His career so far in Sacramento, he played big a lot. So while I don't necessarily want to see Justin Jackson play a ton of power forward. I do want to see the Kings go small. And I know you mentioned uh, you you wanting to see Buddy Heald start at shooting guard. I if if Bogdanovich were healthy, I would want to see Fox, Buddy, and Bogdan all start together. I want this team to go as close to modern NBA as they possibly can, which is something that has that has kind of held the Kings back a little bit under Dave Yeager with his, I don't know whether it's uh, desire or comfortability, just pounding the ball in the paint, going to Zach Randolph post-ups and playing through his big men. I don't want to see that anymore. This team is built on young, dynamic guards like De'Aaron Fox, like Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, like Buddy Heald, and I want to see the the Kings start to play to their strengths here a little bit, which is go out and run. Maybe you play small and you are a little bit, uh, you know, you might struggle on defense, which the Kings will struggle on defense regardless of how small they play. They've been struggling for 12 years playing not small. So, uh, yeah. you know, if they struggle on defense because Justin Jackson is playing five minutes a night and a power forward, so be it. I like hearing Ye- uh, Jaeger say those sorts of things, though. That's the lineup that I want to see. Or, or that's the kind of lineup I want to see. That's the kind of basketball I want to see from this young team. Go small. Play your best guys. Run. Shoot threes. Join the modern NBA. That's what I want to see the Kings do this season. And hearing Jaeger say things like that makes me optimistic that they will do that.
1: I, I want to see, I want to see a small ball lineup with B elites at the four. I like that too. Bagley, Bagley, Giles, Coley, Stein, whichever one they feel is like a. The you know the one that needs to take the biggest step, or they they see the most uh, optimistic about at the five out of those guys, and you know having Bogdanovich, healed and Fox at three, two, one. I want to see that lineup. I think that lineup is the lineup that is going to push the pace, and I and I honestly think that's the lineup that that could you could see closing out games at times. and I and let, let me ask you this because I I want to get to Dave Yeager. I want to talk about the hot seat that he's in, but. There's a there's a there's a logjam down there at the big man position. You got Giles, you got Bagley, you got Scal, you got Kali Stein, Kufo Zebo, Even though you know, like I just said that quote that you, they might not be seeing many minutes this year. Who who has the most pressure to succeed? Because I think the I think the two young guys in Giles and Bagley, they have such a hype around their name. Everyone's excited around them about them in the front office that. They're kind of worried about Cauley-Stein and the fact that they need to see something. I think Cauley-Stein has the biggest, uh, the the biggest step to make this year. Like he needs to prove what he is. He can't just be, you know, uh, you know, the ability to shot block with the capable, the leaping ability to rebound and the uh, ability to run up and down the court. But he needs to put it together. He needs to a- have a. I think he needs to average a double double this year, and he needs to prove that he's a starting center. I think Scal, the one thing I love about Scal is the fact that he gained that 20 pounds of muscle, like raw muscle. He looked huge. And then also the fact that, you know, the work ethic is there. He wants to be a good player. But I, I, I feel like the Kings might – I think the Kings are – how do I say this without coming off as wrong – I'm not saying the Kings are doubting on Scal. Like, are are kind of losing faith in Scal. I think they're more optimistic, seeing the growth that he had this summer with body formation wise. But I think they they st- still don't know what Scal is, and and it's and it's coming to that point where they need to figure that out because they have one more year until they have to figure out if they're going to extend him or not, which they most likely will because of the the talent level that's there in them and I mean, the potential of that word. But who do you think has the biggest expectation out of all those guys? Is it Kali Stein? Do you agree with me that it's Collie Stein, or do you think it's somebody else?
0: Well, I'll I'll put the front court this way. I think there are guys who are definitely getting minutes, right? I think Bealitz is definitely getting minutes because he wouldn't go sign that guy if he weren't going to play him. I think both Giles and Bagley are definitely getting minutes. They're your you know your top prospects in the front court. You got to play them. Uh, Willie Kali Stein. This is a contract year for him. He played a ton of minutes last season. I think it's foolish to think he won't play a lot this year. Kostakoufis and Zach Randolph are your vets. I don't think we'll see them as much, but I don't think we're not going to see them at all. And to me, that really puts uh, uh, Scott LeBissier in like a really tricky situation where, like you said, he's got the talent. We don't know what he is yet. And that's kind of my biggest criticism of Dave Yeager in his entire tenure so far is that we don't know what Scott Libesier is yet because they played Zach Randolph a lot of minutes last year. They gave Zach Randolph a lot of touches last year. And I think Skull was the one that suffered because of it, because we now don't know who he is. And we've added three guys in the front court this summer in Bielitza, Bagley, and Giles. So I don't know if we're ever going to find out what Libesier is now at this point. he's He's got so many guys ahead of him in the front court And you already mentioned the 20 pounds of muscle that he gained, according to various reports at Media Day. I love seeing that. I love seeing that he's working hard. I love seeing the confidence. I think one other uh, comment he had from Media Day was something about how much higher his confidence is now coming into this season than it ever has been. I just worry with Scal about him finding minutes anywhere. I look at the roster now. I look at the front court, and I don't know where those minutes come from. So just in terms of the front court and who I'm looking at and what I'm concerned about, I think everyone else kind of has their spot, and we kind of know where they're going to play and how much they're going to play, but LeBissier is a guy I look at, and I want to see that guy play, because I still believe in his talent and that potential. I just have no idea where those minutes are coming from. None. I I don't know how he's going to be able to show what he's got this year.
1: I think it's going to have to come in that preseason, and maybe within the first 20 games of the season and and the only reason why I say that is because I still think the Kings are going to be cautious with Giles I don't think they're going to rush him in because of that log jam that they have uh, in the front court I think that Scal is going to get minutes within those first few games see how and as the team kind of sees the minutes that you know Giles knees can handle and you know that's, that's going to be his opportunity he's going to have I think he's going to have minutes I think, I think you're going to see a lot of B elites at the three which isn't the like a big you know bonus for me. Like I don't, I don't think that is a big plus. But like I said, when he filled in for Jimmy Butler, he he was he was a stud for Minnesota. I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, but again, I I agree with you. I don't know where Scout's is going to get the minutes. He's too much of a question mark at this point. And and like he, like you said, I I think that goes a lot on the co- the coaching, which is a uh, uh, Dave Yeager on. You know playing those veterans so many minutes last year when you, you didn't necessarily have to and again, also you, you, you got to kind of blame Scal for some of that too, because when he started to get a little hot, he got injured and yeah uh, true and and, yeah. and and then you know when he when when it came down to that point where you know it seemed like he was getting ready to come back, then there was that report like heading into February that he went to go get that that second look. And then, then he had to miss an additional, you know, like two, three weeks. And he was actually out after the All-Star break. And then he was getting reaccustomed. So, like, that put him in a – and, again, I, I think that's where the Kings are like, okay, we have to just – it's a wash season for Scaligan. And then that puts another big question mark on him where then now you don't know what you have. You just know that one good time he played good for a, a, a short amount of games at the end of the season against second stringers. That's all you know. So – I think Scal definitely has the biggest question mark. I think the person who has the most pressure, though, is Willie Cauley Stein, because he needs to define, define what he is instead of showing like he has the ability to do this, he has the ability to do that. I want to see him put it all together. I want to see the player that he is at the at this part of the season. But you look at Dave Yeager now. We talk about you know the the things that we wish he would have done better in his his early tenure here with the Kings. Is this the year where he needs to? I, the expectation isn't for him to be winning, right? Because as we both said throughout the time of the show already that we don't have a, a, a high expectation for the Kings. I mean, neither does Vegas. 25 and a half wins. But I think you need to start seeing, and James Ham said it best on his podcast, you need to start seeing something clicking. You need to see a half of a game. And not even at the same half, just like parts, two parts of a game where everything makes sense. This is the future of the Kings. And I think Jaeger needs to start putting something like that together. And if he can't do that, there's a potential he's at the hot seat by the end of the season. Do you agree or do you still think he's going to have that long leash? Because I think that whatever happens to Jaeger, there's a good chance there's a ripple effect and it's something's happening to Vladi Divak as well. I I actually... Uh, it sounds like I'm down on Jaeger. I actually do
0: like Dave Jaeger as a head coach. I think he's the best coach the Kings have had easily, easily, easily since Rick Adelman. The only guy you could say is close is Michael Malone, and I would take Dave Jaeger over even Michael Malone as much as I liked Malone. Um, I do think Jaeger is a good coach, and he's had success at Memphis with uh, some very interesting conditions. Like The team that he dragged to the playoffs in one of his final seasons in Memphis is one of the more impressive coaching feats we've seen it in a, in a long time. That team was had injuries up up and down the roster, and he brought that team into the playoffs. He's had success in the NBA, and I do like him as head coach. I think you can make an argument, though, that his coaching style is not the best for the players that Vlade Divac has brought in here. And, you know, you could argue that Jaeger's play style worked really great when the Kings hired him because they still had DeMarcus Cousins. And if you were going to run that, Zach Randolph, Marcus Gasol offense that he ran in Memphis. Having a guy like Cousins, another big, slow, but super talented guy in the front court, you could run a lot of the same stuff. He had a lot of the same passing and shooting skills as Marcus Gasol did. But with this uh, more guard-heavy, fast-paced, you know, runners and shooters kind of roster, I don't know if is the best guy for the job here. But I do like what we've heard from him in media day, and I am totally... I think giving him another shot this year is is the right thing to do 100% because he has kept that locker room together in ways other coaches hasn't been able to. For the amount of losing the Kings have done over the last two years, this is a very strong locker room, and the chemistry is definitely there. And I don't want to uh, undersell the kind of job Jaeger has done in like cultivating this locker room of good vibes and players that like each other and players that are working hard. And if you listen to the players – Talk. They talk about how they feel like they're working on getting somewhere. Like it's this is not a pessimistic locker room. It's yeah. not a negative locker room. The guys believe in w- the work they're putting in, and they believe in Sacramento, and they believe that they're building towards something that when they have the experience and the talent, they're gonna they're they're gonna be uh, in the conversation for for, for playoff spots. Yeah, they, and they believe that they can do that under Jaeger. Yeah. but I do think. If the Kings, like you were saying, you said under 25 and a half. If the Kings finish under 25 and a half, I think Jaeger and Vlade are both gone. And I don't think that's um, like a, I don't know, like a shocking thing to say. I think if this team gets worse than they were last year, then you have to seriously consider replacing the head coach and the general manager. We're at the point of the rebuild now where you can't get worse anymore. Like you have, you've done your quote unquote tanking. You've got your high draft picks. You've got your cap space. Now is when you need to start getting better. So that's part of the reason why I also picked that over 25 and a half because I don't think steps back are acceptable anymore. It's steps forward only. You've got the young talent here. You've got to move
1: forward. Yeah, I completely agree. You've At this point, you've already blown it up. You've you have completely blown it up. You've now got the tools to start building something. And I think that's, an, that's another thing we got to talk about too I, I, as far as that expectation. I think... An expectation for the Kings this year isn't necessarily wins and losses, but defining what they have. What is a franchise? Are any of these young players a franchise player? Can you start building around this type of player? Can we start building around De'Aaron Fox? Is he going to take that leap? Although I don't, I don't think there, there's any doubt that you know. I don't think anyone's doubting De'Aaron Fox. I think you know everyone that I've talked to is saying that like De'Aaron Fox. Looks like he's already a step ahead of everybody else when it comes to you know his basketball IQ and how he's composed on the floor and how he's playing this summer. I I wanted to see what it is that they're making and and I completely agree with you. Dave Yeager deserves the credit of how, you know, he and you know the vets have really kept this group of young guys positive and optimistic about the future through such downs of a season through a lot of losses through 20- on and off the court too because this right. team
0: gets trashed all the time on twitter on social media by reporters they they take a beating right. and jaegers kept them together
1: right like even i think there was a video De'Aaron fox did where you know someone's life like ha- like laughed while asking the question and it, and and, it, and no one really like talked about it and i didn't really talk about it because i didn't want to draw attention to it i think I, I wish I would have wrote this down. He was doing an interview with someone playing like horse or whatever, and like he's like he laughed while asking him like how is it playing in Sacramento? And you know, Fox answered like I love it there. Like it's a mm. small town, you know. Everyone knows everyone's like team is the Kings, and that's a hundred percent true. When you're in Sacramento, the team is the Kings, and. You know, I, I think that's like you said. I think that, that 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 credit deserves to go to Dave Yeager and how and his coaching staff and how he's been able to keep that locker room on and off the court completely optimistic and believing that they are starting to put the pieces together to start building their future in the right way. Which I think, again, all the credit in the world goes to Dave Yeager. But you're you're again right. Where if you start moving backwards at this point. You you need to start readjusting to saying, all right, you've you've taken us here. Maybe you're not the guy that takes us over the edge, but we appreciate that you've done here. But it's time to move on. Same thing with Vladi. Like with, Vla- with, with Vladi, he took a big swing, and you talked about this on the top of the show. He took a big swing by taking Bagley, and if that pays off, he, he deserves a round of applause. He deserves standing ovation because everyone was looking at Doncic as a guy. Even if Doncic turns out to be successful, if Marvin Bagley turns into the player that he tru- – that I think Vladi believes he's the next Chris Webber, or Chris Bosh, I should say. Like, he's that player that's going to change it all. And that's just the vibe yeah. I get. Yeah. But everything that I wanted to talk about, whether it be Jaeger, whether it be Vladi and the team, um, I – I guess I want to I want to talk to you about one last thing and then and then we can start wrapping up the show since we're coming close to an hour here anyways. You brought up the Jimmy Butler stuff what's happening in Minnesota. You see this Kings roster, you there's a lot of log jam in the front office. I I think they have a little over 10 million, a little over 10 or 11 million in cap space left. This team has the capability of bringing on a bad contract, getting rid of good contracts and potentially getting something because they have no draft pick this year giles is technically the draft pick for next year that's that that's that's what they said you know hey we're getting two 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 young players in bagley and giles so 2019 it's like hey we got two rookies this year so you don't got to yeah. worry about it for next year that's nice spin yeah exactly <laughs> uh so i i i think the team and i think it was you or someone i saw on twitter i'll, I'll look on my post in a second Talked about how the Kings, if Minnesota gets in a conversation with Miami, the Kings should find a way to try and talk their way into like a Justice Winslow. Or, you know, finding a way to, if, I don't know what contracts Miami has to have to really like get this job done. I think if Minnesota wanted to involve the Kings, like they'd have to get rid of, they'd want to get rid of a bad contract like Gorgie Dang, or maybe uh, the the Heat want to get rid of a guy like, uh, Luke Babbitt, I think, because Luke is making like fourteen million dollars a year, but I I think the Kings should try and jump in one of these one of these types of deals where they can bring in a uh, a starting small forward. I, I and I and I know that that position could be filled with multiple different players. I mean, we didn't talk about Iman Shumpert and the and the rap song that he and Bagley are gonna make, <laughs> but I I and I know that you know Bogdanovich can play that three and stuff, but. I can. I, I want to see someone that can start there, and I'm still high on Justice Winslow. What about What about you? Do you think the Kings is there a trade out there that that you've been like playing with on the trade machine? Maybe it's as a third as as the Kings being a third team, or maybe it's a, a team directly where they can take on a bad contract and get a good draft pick. Are you seeing anything there? Do you go on the ESPN trade machine, or is that just me in my spare time?
0: Well, I'm on there all the time, and I would love Justice Winslow, but I don't know, like I've I've been looking at this Jimmy Butler trade and all the rumors that come down, like it seems like there's 30 Jimmy Butler rumors every hour, right. and I don't, for as much as I want the Kings to get involved, I just don't see exactly where they fit in here, and the reason why the Jimmy Butler trade is so complicated is that the, the Timberwolves are the team that is giving up the star player, and in most of these trades... The team that is giving up the star player wants young pieces in return as like a rebuild-type move, but Minnesota still wants to win. So uh, it's, that's why, to me, it's hard to see where the Kings slot in because if the Heat are giving up Justice Winslow, the Timberwolves want Justice Winslow. Like they're, they're trying to win now just as much as the team acquiring Jimmy Butler is. So for as much as they want to give up Gorgie Jang, the Miami Heat don't want him because they're trying to win too. So it's, it's hard to figure out exactly where the Kings slot in and, and what they could do to actually get an impact small forward like Justice Winslow. Um, I'd love to see it, but it is for hard for me to see.
1: I have one for you. I'm glad I'm glad you brought up potentials because I, I didn't know if I was going to get it this far. I didn't think I was going to be able to pull up my old trades. Uh, but I have it on my phone. I'm about to pull it up right here on my desktop, and I'm going to it. break it down for you. And and I think you know this about me now at this point. We've done this show together a couple of times over the last year. Like I, I, I feel like uh, we, we know each other pretty well at this point about how I love to come up with trades. Uh, Let's here, hear it. Here's the deal. Minnesota is going to be giving up Jimmy Butler. He is going to be headed to Miami in return, you're going to have to give up Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters had such a great year before getting injured. He's only making $11.6 million over the next three years. He's going to go to Minnesota. I think you're going to have to move Wiggins down to the three. Gorgie Dang is going to come off the Minnesota roster as well. He's going to go to Sacramento. You know who else is going to go to Sacramento? Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow is going to go to Sacramento. Then I'm trying to see if I can still get it to work over here. Work that trade machine. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna work it. I'm gonna work it good. <laughs> here we go. Uh, let's see. And then you're gonna have to give up Ben Mclemore. Ben Mclemore. Oh no. It? Yeah, Ben Mclemore. He's gone. <sighs> he's going to Miami. He's out of here. Uh, let's see. Where else do I have this team going? I had. I had. I had it. I had it up on my phone. Then what was the last piece that was involved? Is that the pieces? Twenty five. Well, I would.
0: I would love it to take dang and get back wins I would do that a million times out of a million. The problem is, any time a trade is that obvious, it is usually too good to be true. That's my only issue. Right.
1: Okay, I can't remember what the trade was. I can't get it down. I thought I had it on my phone, and it's not the right trade. It was the wrong trade. It was the three-team trade I did on Twitter, which sucks, because I had a really good trade. But the the deal would involve, you know, Deion Waiters going to Minnesota uh, with, you know, like, some piece of the Kings, and then you know giving up Ben Mclemore, and then you get Gorgie Dang and Justice Winslow, and you take on that bad contract. And I think that that would be the deal that made sense because then you're you're giving, you know, uh Minnesota a bunch of one-year deals in return for Jimmy Butler. Plus, they also get Dion Waiters. And I thought I just thought that made sense, but that that would be kind of a deal that w- that would work. And and by the way, I'm gonna message you this trade. Off air, just so you can give me your opinion afterward. Uh, also, news that just broke right now, Bogdan Bogdanovich. It has been announced that he is only out for four to six weeks. And I say only because I'm being optimistic about it. So, Well, I like, think the
0: original report, I could be wrong. I thought it was four to eight weeks. So we may have just shaved two weeks off,
1: which I will take. Uh, yep, Jason Jones of now the Athletic, the NBA Athletic, Athletic NBA. Uh, Kings announced Bogdan Bogdanovich had successful successful minor arthroscopic surgery on his left knee in new york today and will be out four to six weeks i would love to see four uh, i'd be ecstatic for four i'm gonna do it just like i do it when i making corn dogs in the oven where it says 13 to 15 minutes i just do it right there in the middle of 14 so let's go with five
0: sounds good to me
1: bam all right we're gonna wrap up the show here tony thank you so much for joining the show but before i let you go one let the fans out there know where they can find you online and two any closing thoughts anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about uh, or anything that that you think these fans need to to know about from you
0: only thing i'll say in terms of what we haven't talked about and we did sort of touch on it a little bit but i do think De'Aaron fox is kind of going to be the uh what's the saying like the straw that stirs the drink here for the kings they need him to have a gigantic year and while i Didn't think he was great in his rookie year. I thought he showed enough flashes that make me optimistic that he will be that franchise player the Kings are looking for. Um, And if he is, if he's going to be that guy, then we're going to see some real, real strong flashes this year. So that's kind of my parting thought. De'Aaron Fox is going to, you know, if the Kings are going to be okay, if the Kings are going to be watchable, if the Kings are going to hit over 25 and a half, it's going to be from De'Aaron Fox playing some uh, some very promising basketball. As far as where you can find me on the internet, uh, at Tony Zip-Tarris on Twitter and at Sacktown Royalty everywhere else. And of course, sacktownroyalty.com for other King stuff all season long.
1: Thank you again, Tony, for joining the show. You guys go follow him at Tony Zip-Tarris on Twitter. Check out all of his work on Sacktown Royalty. Check out the podcast, The Sacktown Royalty Show. i'm not gonna lie i listen every time you guys have a new episode you guys are kind of like me you guys do it when you can that's why i love yeah not quite
0: weekly but (laughs) Uh, it'd be
1: nice yeah this year i this year for me guarantee you it's weekly because dash radio is on my butt that i'm not uh, as i was not weekly this summer which you can can do it man i believe in you oh you got this oh i got it i'm ready i i got i got a new rolodex for guests you're you're in there uh, I'm, I'm excited for this upcoming season. I, I'm expecting a lot from myself out of the season. Also, I'm gonna drop this right now. Tony, let me know if you, if you want one of these things. But the Sack Kings Nation sweaters were restocked, and getting to wintertime, we are now on the what third day, second day of spring. The the weather is gonna start changing. I have Sack Kings Nation sweaters on sale right now for only fifteen dollars. If you're looking to get a Sack Kings Nation sweater, go to sackkingsnation.com and click on the merch section and there you can find out how to purchase one. Just go to secondation.com again for all of your in-depth coverage of the Sacramento Kings. Tony Zipteris. Follow him at Tony Zipteris on Twitter. Check out Sacktown Royalty. Again, I have been your host Vince Miracle. You can follow me on all social media platforms of at VMCenter. This show has been brought to you by BrickHouseIndustries.com Be sure to go to BrickHouseIndustries.com for all of your hats, shirts, and socks. And when checking out be sure to use promo code KingsCourt and you'll get 10% off Of any of your purchases Again, thank you so much for listening to the show Drop a rating And until next time Sacramento Kings fans Bye bye